Lake Desert Word Center. How is everybody on this beautiful Wednesday night? Amen. In the month of December, it is the most wonderful time of the year, and we're excited, man. We've got so many awesome things coming up over the next few weeks for the church family as we are celebrating the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's hear it for Jesus tonight, everybody. Yeah. Amen. Well, it is going to be an awesome evening together getting into the Word of God. Let's go ahead and stand up together. We're going to open things up just like we always do by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're walking by faith and believing that our nation is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? Man, let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. All right, we're going to get into some announcements here. Like I said, we have got a lot going on. It is the most wonderful time of the year, and it is also like the busiest time of the year, too. So, uh, but we're, we're loving every minute of it, right? So, first announcement here is this, is this Friday night at 6.30 is the December women's meeting for all the ladies out there. Are you with us? Amen. So 6.30 over there in Victory Hall, uh, you are asked to bring your favorite holiday dessert. And uh, and we said it Sunday, but I'll say it again, all right? You're, you're, you're not a friend if you bring fruitcake to that thing. You're, that is, don't bring fruitcake. I'm not even going. I mean, I tasted that last year for the first time. That stuff is trash. Okay. That's, I, maybe I shouldn't have gone there, but I just said that for my mom. All right. Mama, you tell them what you want to tell them, okay? Thank you. <laughs> okay, so we're going to have a really cool women's meeting. It's going to be an all-Christmas theme. We've got a special uh, singer that's going to be with us that night. And three of our women that the Holy Ghost has chosen, uh, they're going to give their um, a, a talk about their most memorial Christmas they've ever had. So you're supposed to bring, as Pastor Dave said, your favorite Christmas dessert or drink. So as long as he's not even going to be there. Have you ever had mint? Have have you ever had mincemeat pie? That's equally as gross. It is. It's terrible. Okay, there you go, everybody. That's uh, that, and that's how you have a healthy relationship with your mom. You do stuff like that. Amen. That's how it works. Okay. Uh, next. Ooh, here's a big one. All right. Uh, this weekend, do we have these on the screen, Doug? We got these announcements? Okay. All right. Very good. Well, they're not on the screen, so you're going to have to party like it's the 90s and take, uh, write it down with a pen and paper if you need this information. So, uh, we are doing a premarital class, um, and it's going to be a two-night thing. Uh, so it's going to be this Sunday night and Monday night, December 10th and 11th, uh, from 6 to 8 p.m., all right? So this is for engaged couples. 
that are looking to get married. It is uh, this Sunday night and Monday night, December 10th and 11th from 6 to 8 p.m. Child care is provided. Uh, so we've got about five or six couples already signed up. And if you're going to have us officiate your wedding, it is a requirement that you do premarital class with us. So anyway, uh, that is this Sunday night and Monday night. And we'll send out a, a reminder. There is a sign-up sheet back there at the info booth. If you put your information down, we'll get a text message out to you, okay? All right. And then uh, here's a really fun announcement. We are having a Christmas concert on Friday the 15th at 7 p.m. with Laura Cook. Amen. And if you click to add title, you'll just see everything you need to know. Amen. But uh, now as Laura Cook is coming here from Tulsa, Oklahoma, she did a concert for us last December and it was absolutely awesome. Uh, so again, that's a free concert. Friday the 15th at 7 p.m. with Laura Cook. And then a big announcement is this, is our annual Christmas service. The annual Christmas service is Sunday the 17th at 10 a.m. And back there on the info booth, we have a whole bunch of invitations. You can grab some, start passing them out and inviting people. But the Christmas service is definitely one of our biggest and best services of the whole year. Uh, we're going to have a performance from the children's ministry. And so they're doing a play and they're doing a musical performance. And uh, some of the kids have lines in the play. But all the kids that are attending children's church will be singing in the children's choir that day. All right. Uh, unless they tell us they don't want to, then we're not going to force them to. But the majority of them, they're all they're all practicing their song over there. And uh, and they will be singing that day. Uh, we'll have Christmas dinner right after service. And so that sign up sheet's going around. We're doing a great big pitch in dinner. And there is a gift for every child that is present in the service that day. Every child and teenager, we've got a gift for them. And so the more the merrier, you know, bring people in. It's going to be a fantastic Sunday. Who was here for the Thanksgiving service? Man, well, that was a good time right there. It was awesome. So it'll be, uh, the food will be just as good. Uh, and then we're going to do all those other great things. All right. And then want to remind you that we are doing a toy drive for the Greater Hope uh, Foster Agency, the Greater Hope Foundation. Uh, so that's what that big um, wrapped box back there is. So bring in toys, uh, new toys that we could donate to them and they will be able to give them out this Christmas season. And then on Christmas Eve, the 24th, uh, is our annual candlelight service, 6 p.m., okay? 6 p.m. will be the candlelight service. It's usually, it's a short service. It's about a half an hour long, maybe a little less, but we're just going to get together read the Christmas story and sing some songs, light our candles for silent night. And then we will bid a fair night to everybody and to all a good night. Amen. Right at the end of that. So that's the candlelight service. And the last announcement is that the church t-shirts have been ordered and they should be here for this Sunday. Okay. And people have been asking for like two years, can you get more t-shirts? And it just hasn't happened, but it's finally happened. So those will be here by this Sunday. And they'll be in the bookstore. Uh, we only ordered 50. Uh, probably should have ordered more than that, but they will probably go pretty quick. So, uh, you know, if you want to get your size, you probably want to get back there on Sunday um, while it's still there. Okay. And the last announcement is the bookstore is doing 20% off of everything in there for all of December. Did I read that right? Okay. 20% off of everything for all of December. And so, you know, this is a great time. You know, we got Bibles and things like that that could really be a very 
very good Christmas present for somebody. And so take advantage of all of that. Amen. All right. Well, that's all the announcements for tonight. I know it's a lot, but that's the announcements. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, amen. And that means it's time for our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. And, you know, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. And so we get cheerful when we can give. But we're going to look tonight in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. I'm going to be in the New Living Translation, the NLT. Matthew 23 and verse 23. And, you know, oftentimes I've heard this said like, well, tithing isn't even in the New Testament. So I don't even know why you talk about that and blah, blah, blah. It's not even mentioned in there. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not the smartest man. I'm not the brightest, you know, uh, crown in the box, but I'm pretty sure Matthew is in the New Testament. It's, you know, that's what they told me at Bible college. So Matthew 23 and verse 23, we have Jesus himself directly talking about tithing. And so Matthew 23 Verse 23, he's talking to a bunch of religious people, uh, the scribes and Pharisees, and, and they were so dogmatic about these things that they, they were, they were, they were a little bit too much. But Matthew 23, verse 23 of the NLT, Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And so these people ignored the other aspects of the Bible, of the word, of the law. And and they're like, it's okay because we do things like tithe. So, you know, that, that's why I, I, can, I can still be mean to people or whatever the case is. And and Jesus is like, no, 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 it, it doesn't work that way. But it is interesting to me that he didn't say, it's okay, just ignore, ignore that part, ignore the tithing part, and just obey these other parts. No, he, he said, yes, you should tithe but also do these other things as well. Don't neglect the other things at this expense. And so uh, it would be a false statement to say that the New Testament does not cover the topic of tithing or that Jesus never did. And in fact, Hebrews 7 verse 8 also is a New Testament passage that tells us tithing is for us in the new covenant. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to stand up together and speak some words of faith over our giving this evening. We always want to do everything by faith. Anything that is not of faith is sin is what we're told in the new Testament. So we want to speak some faith over this tonight. And then we're going to get into some praise and worship. And I've asked my dad to bring the word to us tonight. He's going to tag on to what we studied last week about guarding your heart above all else. And so it's going to be a really good night getting into the word. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
You are good, and your mercy endures forever. We're so grateful for that, Lord. Thank you tonight that lives are going to be changed again. People that are watching on social media, people that are here, and people that will see this in the future, Lord, and hear these words of faith. It's going to show them what to do and how to do it to please you. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. All right. Children, attention all children. You can be dismissed. You can be dismissed and go back to your teachers and go to your classes. Hallelujah. Well, how many came to learn how to lose tonight? Well, good. You're at the right place then because we don't teach that here. We teach you how to win. You have to go somewhere else if you want to lose. We're going to teach you how to win, how to succeed in life. And uh, I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore. And reason being, it seems like I've had so many couples for the last few weeks. They come up here. Pastor, pray for us. We're having marriage troubles. Pray for us. We will... We want to get along. We want to know what to do. I can't tell you how many couples have come up with that. So anyway, I looked at the bookstore tonight at a couple of books. This here is called Ministering to Your Family. Ministering to Your Family. And they've got several different little sermons in there from uh, Brother Hagen and from Pastor Hagen. That's father and son. About your families, about your children, about teenagers, about husbands and wives. How to get along to be able to go ahead and see this thing through till the end. How many want to finish your race? Amen. And finish with the one you started with. Amen. And then here's one that's really good. One word from God will change your relationships. One word from God. And this has several, several great, great, great word of faith pastors doing chapters in this book here. And one word of God. I think about John 6, 63 when I hear that. Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Has anybody ever heard that verse? He said, the words I speak unto you. Well, get a hold of this. I'm going to tell you something. It'll probably be a revelation to you. How many know the whole Bible is the word of God? But the whole Bible doesn't come alive and speak to you. A lot of you just reading, but sometimes you'll hear, hear a sermon preached. You'll be reading a devotional. You'll be studying your own Bible, and all of a sudden, something jumps off that page and goes right there. That's the words that Jesus talked about. He speaks to you. The Bible's speaking to everybody all the time, but there's specific times the Bible speaks to you. And you know, wow, that was for me. Well, anyway, that's what, that's what, this is Brother Copeland's book. That's what he means. One word from God will change your relationships forever. When all of a sudden you know, as a man, what you've been doing wrong and how to be the husband God wants you to be, your marriage changes. When the wife hears from God through the word of God and sees what she's been doing wrong as she changes, the marriage changes. And then cause and effect when the husband and wife change and they have children in the home and the children pick up on that change, then the children begin to change. And when you quit playing the blame game, and you, 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 finally, you finally get to the place, I think about President Harry Truman. He was president when I was born. Some people don't even know who John Kennedy was, some Lyndon Johnson. But anyway, Harry Truman was president when I was born. 
and always heard about him. He had a sign on his desk that said, the buck stops here. And when you begin to realize that God made you as the husband to be the head of the house, not the dictator of the house, be the protector, the provider, the one that oversees, takes care of things. And then the wife sees she's not the boss because there's no boss. There's a head, the leader. But the wife in the Bible is called the helper, the helpmeet. And I learned years ago that if I walked in my grace to lead and she walked in her grace to help, that our children would have something to model their lives after. Hey, man, a lot of people don't know that. But these books teach things like that. And when you get in your proper position in the marriage, it'll change the home. I'm not preaching on this tonight, but the Holy Ghost is right now, so I'll stick with it for just a minute. How many men were at the men's meeting Saturday morning? Amen. Well, at the men's meeting Saturday morning, I taught on God's priorities for marriage, God's priorities for your life. And the number one priority, and God does these things in order. God has priorities, and they got to be in order. If anything's out of order, then everything else won't go right. doesn't mean you're not saved. doesn't mean you can't enjoy some blessings. But when you get things in biblical order, it'll change your whole life. The number one, the number one priority in the Bible for every human being is to be born again, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so once you become born again and have eternal life in you, then you're set up to win if you light up the Word of God after that. And so it's not just born again, it's making Jesus Lord of your life. You don't just say a prayer and keep on living how you used to. You say a prayer, receive eternal life, then you get hooked up with the church. Then you actually buy a Bible or get a Bible and start studying your own Bible. And then you start having prayer time, not just on the way to work while you're putting on your makeup or drinking your coffee and eating your donuts and just going down the road like that and say, God bless everybody. Amen. You actually start having a a life with Jesus. And then your number two priority, your number two priority is your mate. If you're a married person, your number two is your mate. It's not your job. If you're married to your job, you'll probably be divorced from your mate. So your number two priority, and, and this, this, this is Bible, cover to cover. It's, it's, it's Bible principles. And then your number three priority is your children. If you elevate your children as more important than your mate, you're doomed for failure. And you set them up to lose too. This is God's priorities. And we talked for the principle Saturday about this is how you build your spiritual house. Now, how many remember Jesus taught and said, if you have a solid foundation, when the storms of life come, the house will stand. If you don't have a solid foundation, the devil will blow your house away. And so many people get number two and number three mixed up. They love Jesus, but they spend more time with their kids and pay more attention to the kids than they do their mate. You're going to lose. And your kids are going to lose because they're going to grow up thinking that's how you do it. Amen. And then number four... Number four, according to the Bible, and uh, this probably step on some toes, but the number four is your church family, your pastor, your spiritual family. That's before your secular job. This is Bible. <laughs> this is Bible. So it's, it, it's Jesus first, actually living for him. Number two, mate. Number three, children. Number four, your spiritual family. And then number five, your secular job. 
And you have those things working in your life where you honor those and live by those. According to God's holy written word, you have things in order where God can bless your whole life. Hey, man, so anyway, that, 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 that's for all the people that have been having all these marriage troubles and things like that. And I've had men come up to me since that meeting and say, Pastor, I kind of knew those things, but I never saw them laid out like that before. And I can make an adjustment now. I see what I need to adjust my family. I've been out of order here. i got to get my priorities right so my home can be blessed. Hey, Amen. You just got some free marriage counseling. Hey, <laughs> Amen. Amen, amen. But, uh, you know, I heard a man say years ago, sometimes you need to check up from the neck up. <laughs> amen, that's true. That's absolutely true. But anyway, we have a section back there on marriage and child, child and raising your kids and teenagers and all kinds of books out there on families that will help you. And uh, Melinda said that we have 20% off for the whole month of December. 20% off. And... You know, I, I was I, I, I was raised I, I was raised in an age where we didn't have all these online books and all these different things. I was raised with books were our, our main our main source of information, so I'm really used to books. But uh, anyway, if you're not, then check that out. And uh, Katie likes to say all the time, it's not good it's not good for our bookstore to say it. But we're not there to sell books; we're there to help people. That uh, if you see them back there, you might find them online, read them online. If that's what you do. But that bookstore there is to help you, not to make money. But they're there, and it's good for you. All right. And so tonight we're going to pick up where Pastor Dave let off, left off. Above all else, part two. That was his title, Above All Else. So I picked up with that. And Proverbs 4.23, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. I don't normally do this. That's uh, that's the trans- that's Pastor Dave's translation and probably a lot of yours. But I'm, I, I'm still King James. But I, I was studying this out today. And I thought the New Living Translation says it's really good. And so I'm going to read out of the NLT. It says, guard your heart above all else. Guard your, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Now, in the fall of the year 2000, Jesus said something to me. And I, I, I've said it many times since and, and talked about it. But I wrote that down today. It's exactly in line with this. Jesus said this to me. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. And I just, I was just thinking about something. Uh, people used to get upset because I read the Bible so much. But you know what? I've never heard of anybody overdosing on the word. Amen. I've never heard anybody get an overdose of the word. All I've seen is my faith get built up. I see my walk with Jesus get closer. And I remember back back in those days when I got saved, I used to be a TV addict. But I got delivered from TV. And I got hooked up with Jesus at his word. And so I want to say that again. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. And that's why he said, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Out of it, out of it are the issues of life. That's in King James. But this New Living Translation says, it determines the course of your whole life. The closer you walk with the Word of God is the closer you walk with Jesus. 
I learned something. I learned something as a baby Christian, and uh, there are just so many, so many things I learned as a baby Christian that always stuck with me. But uh, we didn't have all the all the modern social media, none of that. We basically have one Christian TV TV channel, and where I was at, there's a guy named Lester Summerall, uh, pretty much ruled Indiana with his TV stations, and but he was all Christian stuff. And I, I heard my pastor say one day, he said, if you're watching your television set a Christian ministry, and they're teaching the Word of God, you need to stop and give reverence to what's going on there like you would for the church service. It's not popcorn time. It's not just having something on to have something making noise because Jesus and His Word are one. And so so that's what I've always done. If I've watched a Christian TV show, a teacher's show, i got my Bible out. i got my notebook out. I act like I'm sitting in a service, and I act like Jesus wants to tell me something. Because he does. And so I'm talking about your spiritual life. The spiritual always determines the natural. We've got to learn to reverence the word of God like we would Jesus. We're talking about your spiritual lives and above all else. We've got to train ourselves to reverence the word of God. I would never sit in a church service looking at my cell phone. I can't imagine that. You know, I know that... uh, I've heard a lot of people do that, and I purpose when I preach and try not to see what people's doing. But I know sometimes it's been so obvious, I couldn't help but see it. I thought, man, God wants to change their life today, and they'd they'd rather hear Goofy Google or do Facebook. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. I'm talking about guarding, guarding your spiritual life. So anyway... The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. And so you can do a checkup on your life. And if things aren't going right, and you're having just a season of losing, 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 then maybe you ought to check your spiritual life. Maybe maybe you ought to start keeping a record on your calendar. And every time you read your Bible and have a prayer time, you ought to mark on there. Put a happy page or something. That this was a spiritual day where I was able to spend time with the Lord. And then the days you don't, put a sad face. And start looking on your calendar and seeing, wow, no wonder things aren't going right because he said to guard my heart. I spend more time watching social media and ball games and everything else and very little time with Jesus. No wonder my faith's not working. Amen? Amen. When you start checking things. And so, and, so, and so I learned from a lot of great men and women of God when I was born again back in 1980 over the course of time. The value of keeping a tender heart and a teachable spirit. I know when I was first saved, I, it just seemed like, has, has anybody ever noticed that when you're growing in the Lord, all of a sudden, every time you turn around and hear a preacher or a book or another Christian that talk about a certain subject, and that's God getting your attention? You know, it's, it's not just because everybody's talking about that, but the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit in them, the Holy Spirit moving around, wanting to help you. All of a sudden, every sermon you hear is on healing. Every Christian crosses your path and talking about healing. God's wanting to get your attention for you to learn that. And so you've always got to be teachable. And, you know, what, one thing, one thing that'll hurt your spirit is no matter how times, how many times you've heard a subject taught, whether you're a preacher like me, been teaching these things thousands of times over the years, some of them like that, that somebody's teaching the Word of God for you to clock out 
So I know that. Well, right then you're on your way out. I was telling the guys at the men's meeting, uh, this devotional we do every week, we got them on the uh, counter back there, the information booth, and we got them online. But I was reading the devotional and I wrote it. I was reading it Saturday morning for the men's meeting, and there's some verses on there that I've taught on thousands of times. I've studied lots of times. I live by them. And all of a sudden, when I was reading those two verses Saturday morning, brand new stuff jumped off at me. The Word of God didn't change, but the Holy Spirit wanted me to see more of it, what was in there. And that's because I'm teachable. I began to confess as a young Christian because I, God was getting my attention. I kept hearing about, be teachable, be tenderhearted, don't be a know-it-all. Always want to learn. And so I confessed, I still do. A lot of days, I'll just be, just praise the Lord. I'll say, Lord, thank you for giving me a tender heart. Thank you for giving me a teachable spirit, Jesus. I want to grow. I want to learn. And I've talked about guarding your spirit because that will determine the course of your life. And when you're done growing, you're done. Amen. Amen. And so I learned from people those things. I learned the necessity of training my spirit. I've learned the necessity of training my spirit. I've learned how to let my spirit dominate and guide my decision making. I've learned to live out of my heart, not my head. My head can gather information. My head can learn things, but only my heart, where the Spirit of God lives, can show me how to make right decisions. I know that uh, back when I was in the job world years ago, when I was looking looking for a job for a while there, uh, I, it just wasn't happening. Then all of a sudden, in one week's time, I got three job offers from three different trucking companies. Well, how's your head going to figure that out? Jesus knows which one of those companies is going to treat you right. He knows which one of those companies is going to have people that God wants you to be around. He knows which one's still going to be in business a year from now, five years from now. He knows those things. And if you don't train your spirit and learn to live out of your spirit, you'll always be trying to figure it out. If you have to, if you have to try to figure it out, then you have to learn how to work it out. Do you know how to pray it out? Then you can walk it out. There's a difference. When you pray it out, steps a good matter over by the Lord. You just walk it out then because you're in the will of God. But if you try to figure it out, and if you do the if you do the favorite thing that a lot of people in the world do, a lot of Christians do, make two columns. Well, here's all the pros, here's all the cons, and you get those things out there. All the pros look good. Except if you're a cardinal Christian, you overlook the fact that you have to work Sundays. And you have to work Wednesdays. And you're giving up your spiritual life. And the spiritual life you have is going to determine the course of your whole life. I remember back in 1985, uh, Pastor Dave was still in the oven. Amen. Amen. (laughs) That means the womb, he has been prepared. And uh, it was a bad year for Teamsters Trucking. I've been a Teamster truck driver since the 60s. And uh, so it was a bad year. And finally, praise God, a company was going to hire me. And so they hired me. I was what you call casual, part-timer, where they was on call. And so when I was on call, I went in every day, 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. 
I drove days Monday through Friday. I thought, man, glory to God, got this made. And so they put me through all the tests, drug tests, every, whatever else they did back then. And so I got my 30 days in. And the day, the, my 30th day, after going through all the things, the owner of the company walked out and shook my hand. He said, welcome to our team. We're glad you're on now. By the way, your new hours are going to be uh, like like Wednesday through Monday or something like that, 5 o'clock at night till we hours in the morning. When he said that, anybody ever see It's a Wonderful Life? Uh, well, when Jimmy Stewart shook Potter's hand, he went. Well, when the guy told me that, I went. And I, and I said, Mr. Cook, I said, I want to apologize to you. I said, I know you spent a lot of money getting me all tested up and geared up <clears throat> and all vetted and everything like this for, after this job. But I said, I'm a Christian. And I said, not just a Sunday morning Christian. I said, I live my faith. And I said, the job is for my family. And I'm not going to sacrifice my family for the job. I said, if I work the hours that you just told me, I said, I'll never take my family to church because I'll be here. And I said, I won't raise my kids because they'll never know me. And so I turned around on the spot, and I wasn't being mean or smart actually. If I would have had a clue up front that was going to happen, I wouldn't went through the whole process. And so I shook his hand, I turned around, and I walked away. It was the last time I saw him. But if I, if I hadn't done what I did, it's because these priorities I talked to you about a while ago, they're real to me. They're in my heart. I am not going to sacrifice my family, my spiritual life, and my spiritual life revolves around Jesus, and the Bible says Jesus is the head of the church. And so some people don't get that. They say, well, I can serve Jesus and never go to church. Well, then you're kind of, you're kind of, you're kind of, you're kind of dissing him because he's the head of the church. And so if he's the head of the church and they call the church God's house, you never go to God's house, spend time at the head, then how do you love Jesus? How you affect me going to hear from him? I'm not saying you have to go to church to be saved. You can be saved, not go to church, but you never have strength. Your spiritual life is going to suffer greatly because of this holy atmosphere. There's people watching, which is great, but when you're in here alive with that anointing's here on you, it's a whole different world. And if you can't go to church for different reasons, praise God, we got things like this can help you out there. If you, if you have access to be able to go to a church where the word of God's preached, where there's people there can love you, you can love them and be a part of the holy atmosphere. It changes your life. And think about that verse, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart. It determines the course of your life. Is this resonating with anybody? This, this is very, very real stuff. And so I learned those things. As a, as a young Christian. And so I've learned to let my spirit dominate me. And so I want to hook up, uh, to where Pastor Dave left off. He did, he did mention last week when he was teaching three points, he talked about guarding your heart from fear. And you can watch that message online from last week. And guarding your heart from doubt. And guard your heart from negativity. All these things are ways to guard your heart. But I'm, I'm going to add to that. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 4. First Peter chapter three, verse four. 
And I hope you're taking notes. I, I learned from a young age as a Christian to always take notes. And that's like Pastor, Pastor Dave's sermon from last week. I was, I was looking at that on my notes again, see the things he taught. And he's my son. He's also the pastor of this church, and I learn off of him. I taught him, and sometimes when I hear him talking, I, I hears, like I'm talking because I taught him. But he's learned, he's learned a lot beyond what I taught him. And he's his own man now, and so I receive off of him. And uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4 says this. Let it be the hidden man of the heart. I circled that in my Bible with red because that's an important phrase. The hidden man of the heart. And what are we supposed to guard above all else? The heart. The hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of it, a meek and quiet spirit. And we're talking about your heart. Your heart and your spirit are one and the same. The hidden man of the heart, a meek and quiet spirit, says, which is in the sight of God of great price. And so we notice that God calls your spirit the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. And I don't know how real things are to you. The Bible is so real to me that I know, I know that uh, if the rapture doesn't come first, there's some day that I'll be laid in a casket, probably in front of this church. Hopefully a long time from now. How do I know that? Because my wife doesn't believe in cremation. (laughs) And so to me, personally, it makes no difference to me because I know my spirit's the real me. And so the hidden man of the heart lives on. And Paul said multiple times things such as this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. And so when you die, when I die, whenever somebody else dies, you didn't die, your body did. You live. And that spirit that will go straight to heaven if you're born again will be no more real then than it is now. And things are so real to me, I learned a long time ago that my eyes are the windows for my spirit. I have spiritual eyes. I have spiritual ears. I'm a spirit being. And right now, you don't see me. You see what I'm walking around in. This is my earth suit. I have a hidden man of the heart. That's my spirit on the inside. And I'm looking through my eye gates, through my windows right now. My spirit's looking at you. And with your spiritual ears, your spirit's listening to me. This is not a math class or psychology class. This is a Bible class. The Word of God is spirit and it's life. And so as these spiritual words are coming out, they're picking up in your spiritual ears and you're seeing spiritually. And so this is what we've got to get. That's what Jesus is talking about guarding. You guard your spirit, man, above all else, because from your spirit comes life. i got to stay on course. Wow, time's going down, man. But uh, we talked we talked a few weeks ago about laying on hands. And when you lay hands on somebody because your spirit's inside this earth suit, the anointing of God comes out of your spirit. And you lay hands on somebody in the name of Jesus, those anointing from the heart comes through the hand. And when it comes through the hand, it goes to the sick body and healing takes place. You guard your heart. You guard your heart. You're not going to have much anointing if your heart isn't full of the word full of Jesus, full of anointing. You just see what I'm saying? That's how this works. That's how this works. And so anyway, he said, the hidden man of the heart, then he tells you 
what is precious to him, a meek and quiet spirit. We're talking tonight about guarding your heart. God said, a meek and quiet spirit is precious to him. I want to be precious in the sight of God. Do you want to be precious? Amen. Well, here's what he's talking about. This means that you're not an argumentative person. You're gentle and you're a peacemaker. You're a peacemaker. You don't go around throwing gasoline on fires with gossip and backbiting and foul talking about your fellow human beings. You throw water on the fire, not gas. You don't always have to have your own way. Be willing to listen and be teachable. You got to be willing to listen and be teachable. So another way to guard your heart is to be a peacemaker. Be kind and gentle with your words. Don't participate in strife and gossip and backbiting. Now listen to this. I'm going to make a statement here. That'll probably be a foreign language to, I'd have to say, probably a lot of you. Train yourself to become proficient in the language of silence. Your spirit is counting on it. Your spirit, your spirit is where Jesus lives. In your spirit, your spirit is cried out tonight as you hear these words. Be a gentle, be a peacemaker. Your spirit said, yes, 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 that's what I want. Shut your big mouth. Let me, let me dominate. Let me talk. Let me be in this. I, I teach a lot of times about the language of faith. The Bible teaches the language of faith. The language of faith is when you are speaking the word of God, you're believing in your heart, you doubt not, you're speaking faith-filled words. But I always tell people you have to learn the language of silence before you can learn the language of faith. Because if you're not speaking faith, but speaking doubt and unbelief, what Pastor Dave talked about last week, negativity, doubt, and those things, then your faith's not going to work anyway. You've got to learn to keep your mouth shut. Proverbs ten nineteen says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. And so as, as a young Christian, that's one of those things that the Lord just taught me about for several months from my Bible, plus I'd hear preachers talk about it. I learned, I learned that the main thing in my mouth was going to determine uh, what I got. Number one is my heart. Number two is my mouth. Amen. So for this meek and quiet spirit, you can be bold without being mean. You can speak the truth in love without hurting people. That's why I said in Ephesians 4 that we are to speak the truth in love. In other words... I, I, I trained myself years ago when, when God had people come across my path as a believer, then as a pastor. Whenever I wanted to help people, and it's very obvious to me what's going on in their life, what's wrong, I have to listen right down here on the inside of me, can they handle the truth? And if in my heart I know they can't handle the truth, then I have to water it way down so I don't blow them away. I can speak the truth in love, but if somebody's so far gone right now that they can't handle the truth, I'd blow them away. How would I help them? I wouldn't lie and compromise about things. There's been so many times that somebody's backed me into a corner and wanted me to really tell them something, and I, I thought, man, they can't handle it. 
but they backed me, backed me in a corner and just, just practically forced me to tell them what was going on. I said, okay, you've got to quit doing this with what you're doing and why you're doing it because that's going to cost you. And most of the time when people backed me in a corner like that wanted to hear it, they received it then. They said, Pastor, I know that. I'm just so glad you told me that. But a lot of times I can't handle it. So I'm talking about us in one of those ways of guarding our hearts. We've got to be able to know how when it's time to speak up and when it's time to shut up. The bottom line has always got to be we're supposed to help people. Supposed to bring peace on the scene. And so train yourself to become proficient in the language of silence because your spirit's counting on it. Look at Acts 23 verse 1. Got a couple more places I want to look at to help wind this up to help you. But the main thing is, we are called to be representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I know that I was at a conference back in April 1981 at a, at a minister's concert, conference down at John Olstein's church. And uh, I, 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 just, I just think about some things I heard said down there. But the main thing is, is we need to be able to tell people what to do we need to be able to help people. And the number one thing in life is we're here to help people. We're not here just out here on earth just to enjoy a good life. But when you put Jesus first, you will enjoy a good life. You know, I know that I think about my son Joe. Uh, Joe's been a really a baseball guy for all of his life. He's a Marine now. And he's getting out of the Marines. But I went to so many baseball games with him. When he comes back out of the Marines, he wouldn't run back over to Phoenix. for spring training. I go to spring train with him. I never saw him, but I could watch three professional baseball games in one day. And so I let him, I let him know already. I said, Joseph, you got three little boys now too. And I said, when we go out to Phoenix, I said, when I went there with you 15 years ago, one day was a lot for me. And then, uh, we did two a couple times. I said, man, that was just too much for me. And so if we go out there this time, we're going to take your boys, see how much you can handle your little boys with you. But what a day. And so what am I saying? I said that whole thing to say this. I had fun with my son out there. You don't give up living because you're a Christian. But you can have fun while you're having a Christian and still keep Jesus first in your spiritual life. And so Acts 23, verse 1, uh, and Paul earnestly beholding the council said, men and brethren, now look at this. This is a big part. This is a big, 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 big part of guarding your spirit. I have lived in all good conscience. I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. I learned years ago from the Word of God, sitting under good Bible teachers. Now, if you don't know this, you ought to write this down, at least come back and watch it on social media. Conscience is the voice of your spirit. You're the conscience is the voice of your spirit. Now, if you're, if you're a born-again Christian and you're walking close with the Lord, by that I mean that you, you got your job, your life, but you're a Christian that reads your Bible on a consistent basis. And when you're working out there in the secular world, sometimes it's hard to read it two or three days or whatever because you get caught up in, man, you just got to have time. But if you're a Christian... Now cultivate your spiritual life, your heart. You read your Bible, you pray regularly, you go to church, and you do your best to live a godly life for Jesus. 
you can trust your conscience. If you're not born again, and you don't have the nature of God in you, you can't really trust your conscience. Because if you're not born again, or if you're a very carnal Christian, that disregards the word of God that you hear, because James did say in James 1.22, be you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He said, if you hear the word and don't do it, you're a deceived Christian. And so if you're a Christian, but you're a carnal Christian, and you watch wherever you want to watch, live however you want to live, do whatever you want to do, then I don't know if you can trust your conscience or not, because uh, Paul talked about having a seared conscience, a callous conscience, a hardened conscience, where you can't trust your conscience. But Paul said, I've lived in all good conscience. And so if you're a Christian... If you're a Christian, that does your best to live like a Christian. If you do wrong, you ask forgiveness. And ask for help to be able to do right, things like that. Your conscience will guide you. Your conscience will guide you. And so your conscience is voice your spirit. Now listen to this. Reasoning is the voice of your soul. And the Bible teaches your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. And so if you reason things out... You're not listening to your conscience, the voice of your spirit. You listen to your head. Reasoning tries to figure it out. Well, I can't tithe. If I tithe, I won't be able to do this. I won't be able to do that. But your conscience on the inside of you where the Holy Spirit says, you can't afford not to tithe. God said, you tithe. When does the heaven open? He said, you tithe. He rebukes the devourer. You tithe. You walk in the blessing of God. But your head says, I can't. But your heart says, I must. And lots of other areas. So reasoning is the voice of your soul. And then your five physical senses are the voice of your body. Your spirit, soul, and body. Your senses tell you one thing. Your conscience tells you another. Your head tells you another. And so Paul said, I've lived in all good conscience. And so you can trust your conscience to show you how to make wise decisions in life. And the last verse I want to look at is Proverbs 24, verse 6, or Acts 24, verse 16. Acts 24:16. And we're talking about guarding your heart, guarding your spirit. And so look at this right here. <clears throat> Acts twenty four sixteen. And herein do I exercise myself. And the myself he's talking about there, he's referring to the hidden man of his heart, not his physical body. He said, I exercise myself. See, Paul in the New Testament taught the difference between the body he lived in and the spirit man that he was. He said, I'm exercising my spirit man to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. He says, in other words, I've learned to train my spirit to keep a clean conscience. Have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. And so exercise means to train. I've trained myself to live out of my spirit, not just my head. Now, in wrapping this up, I just wrote down some thoughts, a few things that I know I've learned over the last 44 years. Here's some things I've learned. Number one. And this is part of exercising yourself so you can trust your conscience to be able to lead you. I instantly obey my conscience 
that that is the voice of my spirit. I instantly obey my conscience. I do everything I can not to override my conscience. I was at the gas station a couple days ago, and I never got car wash there, but I looked up and saw car wash. I was driving my truck, and I thought, man, I don't want to wash this big old truck anymore. And so I paid for a car wash, and I paid for gas. I paid cash to that place there, so I didn't use all the gas money up. So I went back in there. The guy's giving back a whole lot more money. And I looked at it, and my conscience says, tell him. And so I, you know, I was going to, so I just me spoke. I said, hey, you gave me back too much money. Something's wrong here. And the guy scratched his head and looked at my money. And I knew how much my gas was, how much the car wash was. And he's, he starts doing all kinds of pecking around on his little keyboard there. Like, no, no, that's yours. I said, that's for the car wash. He said, no, no, that's yours. I said, I said, man, I don't want to cheat you. I don't want you to come up short at the end of the day. And the guy pecked around again. No, that's yours. Keep it. I said, okay. I said, I tried to do you right. But if he says mine, I'll take it. Like that. But see, I could have just took it and said nothing. And then when I went to pray, I would have had to repent for stealing. And so I instantly obey my conscience. I've trained myself. I've trained myself not to ignore it. And so if I speak harshly to someone to stress the truth, as soon as I catch myself, I apologize. And then I go to them and I straighten up what I've done. I apologize for being stupid. And if I stress the truth, I'm going to apologize. Hey, man, I'll tell you, really, I kind of exaggerated that and and, uh, I was wrong. And I talk about how to guard your heart. Instantly obey your conscience. As soon as you know something's not right, go the extra mile to make it right. And you guard your heart because out of it come the forces of life. Out of it is going to come the course of your life. Well, what you do. The number two, I do my best to make decisions and live in line with the Bible principles that I know. And we're all different levels of growth. That's why, that's why I never judge somebody else for where they are because I don't know where they are. You know, why are you going to judge somebody that's got an alcohol problem and just got delivered off a of dope? They made progress. Now they got rid of one. They may still be drinking, but you don't know where they were a month ago. Amen? It might be real to you, some things that you're not supposed to be doing in life, but it's not real to them yet, then you can't judge them. You can pray for them, but God knows your heart. And God knows when you know the difference between right and wrong. He knows that. God won't judge you from what you don't know. He will judge you for what you do know. And so I have always, always, always did my best to live in line with what I know. And I know as a young Christian, sometimes people try to make me live life their way. But when they've been born again for 20 years, and I've been born again for six months, they knew things I didn't know yet. I couldn't walk in their shoes yet. But where I am now, I'm accountable for a whole lot more. And so just know this. When you are convicted in your heart about Bible verses that you've learned taught, that Bible verse that you've seen, just always know this. God's not the condemner. He's the helper. And if God, if God in your heart, you begin to be convicted, I know the Bible says this. I've got to change. I've always went this way. But now God knows that I know. And so I'm going to make this change. So that's the way I've always tried to live my life. And so... As soon as I see that I violated God's word, 
I immediately repent and I make adjustments. I start making changes. Then number three, last thing. I pray in other tongues frequently during the day. It builds up my spirit and it cultivates my heart to be sensitive to the promptings and leadings of the Holy Ghost. I pray in other tongues a lot. That's what I do as a spirit-filled Christian. It helps me to be more sensitive to him. And the more sensitive I am to him, the easier it is to know what he wants me to do and then be able to do it. So anyway, that's just some things that I've learned over the course of time in guarding my heart because that determines the course of my life and it will yours too. So I'm just going to read this verse one more time and we'll close it out. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand up. Well, altar team, come on up. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, as, as we're getting ready to have our prayer time, you, you all know the routine, most of you, if you go here, we come up here, we pray for you, you need prayer for healing, whatever you need, but the Lord just prompted me, and this, I, I had I had no motive in preaching this other, that's what Jesus told me to preach, and help people, but the Lord just, uh, just kind, of, kind, of, kind of gave me that little nudge, that there's people here, who are kind of convicted of some things tonight in their lives, kind of convicted that uh, my conscience has bothered me, I know I need to make some changes, make some adjustments, and so, uh, of course, you can do, always do that between you and God. And sometimes, sometimes, even though you know it, you do live in an earth suit, a physical body, and you do have a mind that tries to stop you and things that try to slow you down. And so if, if you need prayer to help you walk in the grace of God to make some adjustments in life, then we want to pray for you. We don't need to know your business. They got all about your life. All you do is come up here and just let one of us know, I want you to pray for me. God's been dealing with my heart, and I don't know what he wants me to do. And just pray for me that I'll be able to do it. And we will we will pray with you, and God's grace will be on you. Because whatever, whatever the grace of God, whatever God deals with you, the grace of God shows up to help you. The grace of God helps you do what you can't do on your own. And so if God, if God has moved on your heart tonight that he wants you to make some changes we want to pray with you and we're, we'll, we're of course we'll release anointing but we believe the grace of God will be there help you make the changes always know this God never ever ever wants you to do something to hurt you it's to better you and so when you make changes that God wants you to make and something else too so many things you learn when you've done this as long as I have sometimes there's special times of grace like right now and so when there's an altar call like this, there's a grace here that won't necessarily be there tomorrow. You know why? Because it takes faith to step in to the will of God. And so if you need prayer, that or anything else, that here we are up here, and we want to pray for you and help you. But the main thing is, your spiritual life is going to determine your natural life, good or bad, and this is a first step for the rest of your life.
service tonight. Did anybody receive from the word of God this evening? Amen. Proverbs 4.23. It's an essential verse for us. Amen. Well, as we close out, uh, Brother Robert uh, needs a few good men to help with some tables next door uh, for the women's meeting on Friday night. Amen. And uh, so anyway, if you could, we could grab a couple guys to go help Robert and the ushers over there for a minute and get some tables taken care of. That would be great. All right. Let's go ahead and we're going to close the service in prayer tonight and then do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, uh, for what we have seen in your word tonight. And Lord, we know it is so important that we guard our heart above all else because it does determine the course of our lives, Lord. And and just like Paul said, that I, I live before God with a clean conscience. May that be our prayer. May that be our statement in our lives too. Lord, I pray that you would use us the rest of this week uh, to show the love of God everywhere we go and bring us back safely on Sunday. We love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Can someone say amen tonight? Amen. All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you this week.